I know you were initially promised Randy, but now you're all sitting down, and it would be really awkward if you stood up and left, so you're stuck. Um, plus, look at it this way, you might get to lunch early today, so, I mean, <laughs> I'm really excited to, to be bringing you um, what God has been teaching me through His Word this morning, um, and this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. We're kind of going to hop around a little bit around the book of Matthew, but we're going to be rooted in Matthew chapter 14. Famous passage for, uh, for it being where Jesus walks on water. And it's, it's an awesome, I, I love the passage for so many reasons, um, and, and we'll jump into that. Uh, but it's such an awesome picture of the power of Jesus Christ as fully God and fully man. Um, and, and that's awesome. I love to see it. Um, it just proves to me uh, who my Jesus is, right? That he is the son of God, that he is all powerful, that he has all authority over nature, um, everything, right? Jesus is in control, and I love being able to hold to that truth. So uh, it's funny, though, every time that I read this story, it reminds me uh, of being a kid, and this is going to sound random, um, but I had a deathly fear of escalators um, when I was real little, um, and it was, it was bad. It was, it was a problem. So I remember being in the mall at one point uh, <laughs> and somehow falling behind my mom, and she went down the escalator, me being at the top. And we probably spent about 10 minutes, um, but it felt more like an hour to me, um, where she was like, come on, come on, come down the escalator. I was like, Mom, it is going to eat my toes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Like, I, I, I don't know how you made it down, but I know that it's going to eat me, and, uh, and, and I can't handle that. Um, and so we spent time going back and forth, back and forth. She's like, Cameron, just trust me. Just come, come down, okay? It's not going to eat your toes. And and, and finally, I did go down. I'm proud to say um, I've, I've conquered uh, my escalators. I also did lose a toe that day, but that's uh, unrelated. That's a joke. I have my toes. Um, but no, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, this morning, looking at this scene where we have Jesus walking on water. Um, and it, it's, it's so cool to me that the chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 14, is such a picture of, of the power of God. Um, I've already said it, uh, you have in the second half of the chapter, of course, um, where, where he's walking on water, um, and, uh, and then just before that we have the, the scene where he feeds the 5,000, two huge stories, right, two huge moments where Jesus proves that he's in control, that when we think we're, we got an issue, right, we got a problem, Jesus is in control, and not only is he in control, but he's, he's willing and able to, to walk us through the, the tough times, right, to, to use his power uh, to bring us um, peace and, and good result. And so we have these two awesome pictures of, of the power of Christ, and, and I think that's amazing, right? So encouraging. But when I was studying the book of Matthew, uh, preparing for, for this message, uh, I thought it was interesting. If you flip back just a few chapters, you see quite the opposite. You see some examples of, of wavering of faith and of doubt. And I thought that was interesting. And so I want to go ahead and take a look at some of those and look at that in relation to the power of Christ in chapter 14. Look at, at the, the wavering faith of man. And, and I think that's going to, and I think we're going to learn some stuff from that. I know I did. Um, you might know it already. I don't know. Um, but we're going to flip back to chapter 13 in just a few verses. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13, I want to read verses 53 through 58 together. Um, I'll go ahead and read 
starting in verse 53. It says, And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. In coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then, where then did this man get these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do mighty works there, many mighty works there, because of their unbelief. I want to kind of pause there for a second, because just as incredible as we see in a scene in the next chapter over where Jesus has this commanding power and this huge display of power uh, to his disciples and to the 5,000, right? We have quite the opposite here. The Bible says that he did not do many mighty things because of their unbelief. Now, does that mean that he was limited, that, that he couldn't do mighty things? Was, was he low on power? No. What is the reason? It's because of the unbelief. It's because he was not respected in this town because he was not followed. You see, what's incredible to me is that you and I have a, a part in, in the things that Jesus would do in our lives. It's all through his power, right? Jesus' power is miraculous, and we, we don't have that. We are adopted children of God. We are not the same as Jesus. However, the amount of faith that we have can limit what Jesus does in our life. That's, that's crazy to me, right? That's, that's, that's wild that, that, that Jesus has the ability and the will to do amazing good things in this town, right? In his hometown. He's there and he's come to teach and he's come to bring the truth. But what do we see? He's rejected. And because of the lack of faith, he chooses not to do many things there. You see, I think that we are in a time right now of spiritual drought. And I think we're in a time where faith is, is strained. I think that, uh, well, I know that God is the same God of today that he was yesterday and every day before that. Throughout all of time, God is the same, right? The character of God doesn't change. He doesn't change. So we know he's willing, right? Or we know he's able, and we know he's willing. He wants to do good things in our life. But when we lack faith, we limit the things that God can do through us. And that's the first thing I want to draw on this morning is, is it's so important for us to keep our faith, even in times of difficulty, even in times where it doesn't make sense. We've got to keep the faith. So how do we do that in a world that seeks to, to defy our faith, that seeks to disprove our faith? In a world that's dark, how do we keep our light burning for Jesus? Well, I'll, I want to go ahead and flip back a few more chapters to, to Matthew chapter 11 um, and, and, and look at something real quick um, that I think is, is, is how, how we handle this. Is when, we, when we struggle, when we go through times of doubting, how we can handle it. Um, and so read with me in, in Matthew chapter 11, just the first couple of verses there. says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, 
or shall we look for another? And I just want to pause there for just a second. Because think about this, guys. Think about who we're talking about here. This is John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist who was prophesied about in Isaiah that, that he, would, he would come and prepare the way. His whole entire ministry was built on the principle that Jesus was coming. And we see the scene where, where Jesus comes to be baptized and, and John has that incredible moment of faith where he says, I'm not worthy to untie your sandals. Like, why are you coming to me for this, right? He knew exactly who Jesus Christ was. Think back with me. He was the first person other than Mary to recognize Christ on this earth when he was in his mother's womb. You remember when Mary comes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, the Bible says that, that the baby within Elizabeth, John, leapt for joy because he knew. He knew that he was in the presence of the Messiah. John knew exactly who Jesus was. And so yet, we see this, song, this, this scene where, where John is in prison. He's discouraged. He's probably thinking, you know, I did what I was told. I did exactly what I was told to do. I was faithful. I went and I prepared the way. I told others about Jesus. I, I, I laid the foundation for him to come and, and for him to, to, to hit the ground rolling for people to know and be prepared for who he was. And yet we see him in jail, imprisoned, about to die. And he has this moment of wavering faith where he asks, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another you see, we all experience moments of doubt in our lives. We do. I don't know if you know this, but as humans, we're, we're sinful. <laughs> that's, that's a part of who we are. Um, and, and that's just the problem, right? We are sinful. And so we will experience moments of doubt. There will be times of trial in our lives where we'll be torn apart with doubt, where we are afraid where we don't know what's going to happen, where we don't understand, God, I've been faithful, I've, I've walked with you, I've served you, why would you let this happen to me? And that's where John is. That's where we see John in this moment. But the good news, church, is, is that, that Jesus is in control. He is. Just like we'll see later when we read about this storm, Jesus is in control. Just because John is in prison doesn't mean that, that Jesus has lost control of that situation, right? It doesn't mean that Jesus forgot about John. He knows exactly what's going on, right? He sees the bigger picture. He's, he's omniscient. That's one of like the five big words I know. Um, he's omniscient. He knows all things. He sees the bigger picture that we don't. Here's the thing. We, we don't really check in with John after this until the scene where we see where he's killed. Um, and, and that's the deal, guys, is, is we got to trust God even when we, it doesn't make sense when we don't get the result that we think we deserve or the, the result that we think makes sense. God sees the bigger picture. He has the plan. He's in control. Read with me in, in, in verses four through six as Jesus responds to John's questioning. He says in verse four, and Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who believes in me. Now, I don't know 
what message John was expecting to hear back. I don't. Um, I think if I was in that situation, I would expect a, like, oh, don't worry, bro, I got you, you know. Uh, next Tuesday, uh, you know, you're going to hear a tap on your uh, jail cell door, right? We're busting out of this thing. Um, and I would expect something to happen kind of like uh, it did for Paul and Silas in the jail, right? We know that God's capable. We see it in Scripture. We see God do these crazy, awesome, powerful, mighty things. But here he chooses not to. I can't explain that. I don't know. But when I read this, it encourages me to bring my doubts to Jesus. You see, that's what John did when he faced these doubts, when he faced the fear in his life, when he faced not knowing what was going on, when he faced that anxiety, he brought it before the Lord. He took it to Jesus. And that's exactly what you and I have to do. Sometimes I think, subconsciously maybe, sometimes maybe it's consciously, sometimes I think we, we believe that God can't handle our doubt, that, that when we come to him with our doubt and our fear that we're going to offend him, he's going to be like, all right, fine, yeah, whatever, you know, and just leave us. That's not the character of God. God is big enough to handle our fears. God is big enough to handle our doubt. You know why? Because just like with John, he replied by telling him that he was in control, that he was the Messiah. He is our Savior. God is working in every circumstance. He's working in all of our circumstances, no matter what they may be. It's so important that we bring our doubt, our fear, before the Lord. Because if not, then we'll, we'll get stuck in this cycle, in this pattern of fear and doubt, and we'll get torn apart, guys. It's so easy to be torn apart. And this world that we live in is designed to just tear away our faith. If we're not rooted in Christ, if we're not bringing, captivating every thought to Christ, then we're going to get torn up. That's just how it is. It's how it is. We got to bring our doubt. We got to bring our fear before the Lord. That's the only way we'll find peace. That's the only way we will find true peace in this world. You can find temporary peace in other things, but it won't last. But when you bring your doubts and your fear before the Lord Jesus, he will take them and he will be with you because he's in control. He's working good things in every circumstance. You know, it reminds me of, of another time in, in the Gospels where, where there was a, a breach of faith, um, where there was a struggle going on um, in, in believing in Jesus' power and believing in who Jesus was. It reminds me of, of, the, of the time where Jesus heals the boy with the unclean spirit. If you remember, his father goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you can, if you can possibly heal my son, would you heal him? And Jesus, and this is paraphrased version, this is Cameron's standard version, says, if I can, if I can. He said, believe, believe in me. Believe that he will be healed. And we see this incredible response from the Father. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it's exactly what I pray over and over and over and over again when I'm faced with doubt and when I'm faced with fear, when I'm, when I'm put in a situation that I don't understand, this is my prayer and I love the way he phrases this. Mark 9, verse 24, it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. 
See, sometimes we are not strong. Actually, I'm going I'm to take that statement back. We are not strong enough to stand on our own, to face our fears, to face the unbelief. We need the help of Jesus Christ. We need supernatural faith that comes only from Jesus Christ. Our faith will fail. It just will. It will. There's some really, really great people uh, in the world. There's some really, really awesome people. But no one apart from Christ is righteous. No one apart from Christ will stand in the midst of temptation without the power of Jesus Christ with them. Let us believe. Let us go to God with our unbelief and let him give us, let him exchange it for faith and for peace and for strength, for endurance through the tough times, through the difficulty because he's willing and he's able. He's willing and he's able. God will give you freely Give to you freely because for those of us who believe, we're his children. He loves us. He loves us. Even in the hard time, he loves us and he will give us everything we need to go through every circumstance as we glorify him. As we go to him with our fear, as we go to him with our doubt, he'll take that fear, he'll take that doubt and he'll exchange it for peace and for strength. He wants to do that for you and for me. I pray that we, we, we share in that prayer with the Father, that, that we go to God with our unbelief and that we exchange it for faith in the Lord, trusting that he has a plan because, guys, he does. It's all in the book. There's a plan. Even to the end of the age, there's a plan. And that's, that's some good news. So now uh, we can get into the, the main point, the main passage. I took a kind of, uh, I guess, uh, a tip from Randy and, and decided to uh, close out with my main, my main stuff. The, do a lot of the, the groundwork with passages before the main topic, then we'll get to this topic. The only difference, I don't get to come next week and, and finish it up. So, um, <laughs> But let's flip back over to Matthew chapter 14. I just want to read together through this passage where Jesus is walking on water, this incredible moment where Jesus shows and reveals his power to the disciples. So let's start in in chapter 14, verse 22. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Keep in mind, this is right after feeding the 5,000, right? So disciples are fresh from a test already. You know, their faith has already been tested kind of indirectly, right? It was, it was something indirect, like, oh, these people are really hungry. You know, what are we going to do about this? And, and, and God showed up, and, and miraculous power, boom. Faith was tested. They're glorifying God. They're like, oh, Jesus, you know, you're, you're the Messiah. We totally believe in you. Um, you know, you're the man, and they are pumped up, right? But it didn't take long for them to find themselves in a storm where they're shaking up. And uh, that's, that's about one of the most relatable things I think I have in Scripture. You know, how many times do we leave church? And get on Facebook for 10 seconds, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, where, what is going on with the world? Um, I, I, that hits me. I, I relate to that. So anyway, uh, verse 23, and after he had missed, dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, 
It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and he was afraid, he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Wow. You know, when I read this passage most of my life, I kind of, I kind of treated it as a, as a nursery rhyme story a little bit. I believed it. I believed that it was true. But have you ever, I don't know, have you ever read one of those like card back, cardboard back books, you know, kind of chunky that, that has a nice like really cute animated picture of the disciples and they're like in, in Jesus walking on the waves and, and uh, <laughs> um, I hope no one got a picture of that face. That was <laughs> instant regret. It was instant. Um, uh, but you know what I'm talking about? And, and I, saw, I saw that as this, this story, as, as deep as it went. Yes, Jesus is powerful. That's awesome. We see a picture of, of who he is as God and man, and, and then that's great. And that's enough. That's, that's incredible that we have that. But there's more to this story. There's more going on here for us to take to heart. This passage in the last few years has specifically stood out to me because I know we all are in the middle of a storm. We all are in the middle of struggles. I look out on our church and I see, I see the things that some of you guys are going through that we're all going through. I see some of us struggling with, with depression. Some of us struggling with anxiety. Some of us struggling with grief and loss. Some of us struggling with not having a job. Some of us struggling with starting over again after a, a pandemic that newsflash isn't over. We're all struggling. We all are in the middle of a storm. We all experience storms in our lives. Now it raises the, the, the age-old question, why? Why? Why do we face these storms? Why are we in a global pandemic? Why does God take people who love him? Why do we face the storms that we do? I can't stand up here and tell you that I understand every reason that we go through the hardships that we do. I can't. I would love to know. But I don't. Because I don't see the big picture. I don't see the big picture. I want to look back at verse 32. It says, when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. You know what that tells me? That Jesus was in control, right? Jesus was in control. Jesus was in control then. He was in control on the shore before the storm came. Jesus could have stopped it. Jesus could have stopped the storm. At any point, Jesus could have stopped the storm. But he didn't. The storm came. The disciples were afraid. God was working through the storm. 
he didn't just gain control when he got on the boat, like, oh, oh, I'm on dry land, dry land, you know, now my magic will work because, you know, my feet are on something dry. That's not how it works. Jesus was always in control of the situation, even at its peak when it seemed most out of control. Jesus could have stopped it. Jesus could have given him a tailwind. He could have been like, yeah, you want to skip the Sea of Galilee super quick? Yep. You know, and they're gone. But he didn't. He allowed the storm to happen. Why? Why? Four years ago, my, my youngest sister was diagnosed with a, a very rare medical condition um, and was in very critical condition to the point where we didn't know which night was going to be her last. The doctors kept us constantly um, in the hospital um, and, and it was crazy. Everything just slowed down and sped up and, and, and it was just the most surreal moment um, having a to call my dad and tell him, hey, you need to start driving back to Memphis. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, man, uh, it rocked me. It rocked us. It rocked my entire family. Um, just some background. Uh, my sister, my youngest sister, Braylon is her name. Um, she was always the good kid. Uh, my sister Delaney and I we have a little bit of a rebellious streak. Um, but Braylon was always the one to follow the rules to the letter. Um, and even as a kid, she would, she would she'd be like, you know, I mean, four or five years old, and she would solve our arguments, our sibling arguments with Scripture. And I'm like, come on, man, like, that's not fair. <laughs> it's, it's a little annoying when your baby sister uh, uses Scripture uh, to, to argue her point, because, like, I mean, you can't fight it. I mean, it's God. You know, God said it, so... Um, and, and it blew my mind. Why? You know, I, I found myself asking again, why? Why would God let this happen to a 10-year-old girl that was in love with him, was in love with the word of God? Why? I didn't have the answers. I didn't. But I'm so thankful that I had people in, in my life that pointed me to the word of God that pointed me to scripture to find the answers. See, when I came to this passage in Matthew, I fixated on it. You see, God has control of the storms. He has control of every circumstance that we go through. Yes. He does. But he uses every circumstance that we face to teach us and to grow us because he loves us. He uses the storms to teach us to rely on him. Ultimately, God is working through all of his children's circumstances for good. Now, does this mean that all the struggles have the resolve that we're looking for? No. Sometimes I wish they did. Uh, my sister is, is alive and, and she's in, in great recovery. She's, she's been improving and it's been awesome, miraculous, amazing. And we've, we've just, you know, been so thankful that God has allowed us more time with her. But it doesn't mean that her condition's gone. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know, and, and she's kept her faith through all of it. It's, it's, she, she's such an inspiration to me in my faith. She's kept her faith through all of it, but that doesn't mean that it's all fixed like that. 
Her life is forever changed because of it. Until God decides to miraculously heal her, I believe he can. He's in control, right? He's in control of the storms. He can do whatever he wants. But he hasn't done that yet. It's been four years, us praying for it. And you know what? That's okay. And she's okay. And we're okay. You know why? Because God is in control. And God is using her storm not only to grow her, to teach her, to teach us, but to reach others. I can't tell you how many times she's had the opportunity to, to share her faith with medical professionals at the top of their game across the nation. It's crazy. You know, it was such a blur. You know, she was in Memphis for so long, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's getting uh, sent over to Nebraska to another hospital to see, you know, top-of-the-line doctor in the nation for, for her cases. And you know what her response is? You know, as she's going under the knife for, you know, her 20th surgery? Have you heard about Jesus? Let me tell you what I believe. God is working through the storm. He's reaching people through her testimony. Even secondhand, I shared her testimony on the beach trip, and I shared from this passage, um, and I promise this isn't just recycled material, but I shared her story on the beach trip, and, and students were saved because of it. What? God is working through the storm. God is constantly working through our circumstances for the good. It's not the good that we always expect, but it's the good that he has planned for. God's in control. He's working for the good. He's working for the good. It may not make sense to us in the moment. It may not make sense to us this side of eternity. But it will when we go to be with him. We'll understand. We'll see as he sees. And we'll thank him for it. We'll thank him for the storms. And I know it's hard. It's ridiculously hard. It's... <laughs> Sometimes unbearable, right? But that's when we go to Jesus with our doubts, when we go to Jesus with our fears, because what? He's in control. We've got to trust him through the storm. A couple of things I want to highlight from this passage before we, before we close is first, God uses the storm to show his supreme power, right? Like I said beginning, uh, in, in the beginning, this is such an awesome display of the power of Jesus Christ that he has control over, over nature. He's supernatural, he controls everything. It's a great reason I put your faith in him. He has control. He has power. Secondly, God uses a storm to get us to rely on him. Look back at verses uh, 22 through 31. Um, it, and it just it retells uh, that, that the disciples were afraid, right? They're in the storm. Um, <laughs> and we see this picture of Peter. And I love Peter. I love Peter because he's impulsive. And I'm impulsive. And, and every time you see Peter in scripture, he's just doing something wild. Like, I mean, like from this, like, call me out of the boat, Jesus, I want to walk on water with you. To like, shing, his ear's gone, you know. Um, to, to just fall into his knees saying, you are the Christ, you are God. And one of the greatest confessions I think recorded in scripture, he's my favorite. I love Peter. And so we have him in this moment that, that he, he calls out to Jesus and says, call me out to you. Call me to you. He steps out of the boat. He has faith to step out of the boat, to walk to Jesus. He has that, that strong faith. And that reminds me of my commitment to Christ, my initial commitment to Christ, right? We call upon God and we, we call to be saved. God, call me out of the boat. I put my faith in you. 
But look what happens. He looks down at the raging sea around him, and what? Starts to sink. I don't know about you, but there's been some times in my life where I felt like I've been sinking in my faith. And every time, the problem is that I've, I've lost my focus. I've taken my eyes off my Savior and looked at my circumstances around me. And it's easy to do. It's so easy to do. You can leave this sermon or leave this service and, and be in a good headspace and be thinking, man, you know, like, no matter what, I'm trusting God through the storms, but flip on the news, peace is gone. Scroll through Facebook for just a second, peace is gone. It's so easy to get distracted. In the, in the world we live in, it's a culture built to distract us from the Savior that we love. And we're prone to do it. We've already established, right? We are sinners. We are sinners. We are prone to wander from the love of God. Even though he reached down from heaven and made a way for us in a miraculous display of love and power for us to know him, we wander because we're sinners. It's so easy for us to get distracted by our circumstances, to look down in the waves and the wind around us and to lose heart. But there's good news, guys. Look at what it says in verse 31. It says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, Jesus is reaching out through the storm to take hold of you because he loves you. He loves you. He's in control. He has all the power in the world, above the world. Every, every, everything falls under the authority of Jesus Christ. But yet, he's reaching through the storm, his hand to take hold of you and to pull you back to him. I don't know what you're facing here today. I don't know what you're going through but I know that whatever it is, your Savior, who loves you in an incredible, personal, and intimate way, is reaching out to you through your storm, through your circumstance, extending his hands to pull you to safety. I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know what kind of safety you're in need of. But I don't know where you can get it. That's Jesus Christ. He longs to pull you to him. Furthermore, Jesus has stretched out his hands to all when he came and died for us on the cross. You see, when Jesus died, he paid the sin debt that we hopelessly owed God. He reached out through the, 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 the storm that's been going on since the Garden of Eden, the problem of sin that we could do nothing about. We were hopeless, lost. But he reached out his hand was nailed to the cross to pay for yours and my sin debt. And because of that, and because of his power and the resurrection and, 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 and that, that was finished. The, the, Jesus says to Telestai, right? It is finished. It is paid in full. Our debt has been canceled for those of us who accept him, right? Through the power of his death and resurrection, we have the right to put on the righteousness of Christ and become children of God to share in the inheritance of heaven because Jesus reached out his hand through the storm to you and me. 
Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us so much. Maybe this is new to you and you, you have yet to accept Jesus. That's, that's awesome. That's totally, totally good. You're in the right place. <laughs> um, maybe this is new and, and you've never taken the, the hand of, of your Savior. I'm here to tell you it's, it's reaching out. It's reaching out to you. It always has been. All you got to do is take that hand. And he will take your fear. And he will take your doubt. He'll take your anxiety, your depression, the grief, all of it. He will take upon himself. And exchange it for a light burden. Giving you faith to stand through the storm. Doesn't mean that that always the storm is just going to end like that doesn't mean that it's going to resolve maybe the way you expect it. I can't promise you that. I would love to tell you that, that when you accept Jesus, bad stuff goes away. Boom. You live the perfect life. It's not how it works. But what I can tell you is that with Jesus, he will give you everything you need to weather the storm. And on top of that, you get to spend eternity with him in heaven. Mind-blowing, just, just incredible. Maybe this is all familiar to you. Maybe you're, you're not along and you're like, yep, I'm with you. I, I hear this. You know, I, I, I know this stuff. Doesn't matter. Jesus is still reaching out his hand to you. Doesn't matter how long you've known him. His hand's still outstretched. He loves you. The love's not going to go away. He doesn't just save you and say, all right, I'm on to the next person. I've got to save someone else. He's with you. He's with you through the storm. So go to him. Go to him with your fear. Go to him with your doubt. Because he'll lovingly take your hand and pull you in to safety. All you have to do is reach out, take his hand, trust in him. He loves you. He's always loved you and he always will love you. So let's show our love for him by putting our trust in him this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness to us that you saw fit for us to be redeemed, even when we were so far from you, God. When we were dead in our sin, helpless, completely helpless, God. Nothing we could do to pay our debt. You looked on us with love and you sent your son to die in our place so that we could be made right before you. God, I know that that we're all facing different circumstances here today. I know that we're all facing storms in our life. I know it. I see it. I see your people hurting, God. And I I just ask that you would make yourself so clear in their life that that they, they would see such a clear picture of your hand stretching out to them, ready to pull them in, ready to give them faith, ready to give them peace. God, you're so good to us. We just thank you for that this morning. God, I just ask that if there's, if there's someone in here that, that doesn't know you, that they would take this opportunity to come to know you, God, that they would reach out and take that hand that is extended to them. Not by anything that I've said, but by the word that you've written, God. The truth that you have, you've already written. God, the work's been done. Let us just simply respond in a grateful manner, accepting 
what you've purchased for us on the cross. We love you and we just ask that you be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.